previously on the Indian Show. His latest book is called The Wisdom Pyramid. Now, I don't usually like to judge a book by its cover, but I saw a pyramid, and I am Egyptian, so I thought this is probably a good book. Yeah, yeah. Makes and sense. Uh, I was right, but for other reasons. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Egypt, so that was a little bit of a disappointment. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but I also thought maybe it's a pyramid scheme, and I thought, you know what? I need some cash quick because inflation is terrible these yep. days. Yep, yep, yep. It's not that either, but it is oh. filled with really good stuff. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for making it out here. I don't understand. We have a staff of 25 people. Like, where is everybody? I'm beginning to think people don't enjoy these meetings, but these are really important. So I have something for us that I think is going to really help us out financially. Okay. Now, you know, thinking about last week, talking with Brett McCracken about the wisdom pyramid. Feast your eyes on this. What is that? It's called the faith card, okay? So your debt is paid. Now hear me out, hear me out. We sell these at a cost. People put these in their wallet. And as the faith card rubs against their visa, their debt eventually just goes away. And they're debt free. Wait, can you even guarantee that that'll happen? No, of course not. I mean, like, do any of those things work on the TV? Like, like green hankies and stuff? No, of course it doesn't work. Uh, uh, then why, why would we do that? Okay, it's a business opportunity, okay? So, it's, I knew this would blow past all of your heads. Okay, so, say we sell one of these faith cards, okay? We sell this faith card, let's say, to Brendan's mother. She's a huge fan of the show, so she gets the card. She's gonna get excited about it, you know, who doesn't want their debt to be paid, especially during these tough economic times. So she tells her friend and another friend, and now they're gonna be like, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable, so you know what? It just continues, continues. I mean... Hold up, isn't that a pyramid scheme? Okay, really, at a time like this, you're gonna make Egyptian jokes? No, it is not a pyramid scheme. No, I don't eat sandwiches for lunch. No Egyptian jokes today, okay? This is not a pyramid scheme, it's an MLM. Wait, wait, doesn't MLM stand for multi-level marketing? Hold on a second, wait, 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 wait. I thought MLM stood for make lots of money. Is that not, is that not what that means? Whoa, Donnie, where did you come from? Uh, sorry, I have no idea what happened there. I just, I just blacked out. Okay, whatever that was. Vincent, what do you think? Andrew, I think that is an absolutely brilliant idea. Alright, see, finally, someone who agrees with me. And now, like I told you, this is not a pyramid scheme. This is, you know, it's a, it's, it's a multi-level, it's not about making a lot of money. It's just... Alright, everybody out. Everybody out. Clear the room. Clear the room. I gotta make a phone call. Happy Monday. I'm your real host for today. Um, it's Monday, so that means it's time to make Mondays great again. That's what we're going to do here, folks. We're going to make Mondays great. It's going to be fantastic. That's what we're wow. What a terrible impersonation. <laughs> we tried to swap roles for that, and it worked out terrible. I thought it worked out quicker. <laughs> You need I, to leave that to me. That's what you need to do. I'll uh, let you host. I'll let Donny be Donny. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Monday, folks. We hope you had a great weekend. Um, 
It's Monday. We got a great show for us today. Uh, we got David Schumann online today. He's going to be joining us via Zoom. He is all the way in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Pretty calm, Manhattan. chill neighborhood. Where is uh, that? It's. <laughs> is that in Europe? It's right by one of your hotels. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. I have a. <laughs> I got a hotel. I can't even say it without laughing. Oh, I got. I got a lot of hotels in Manhattan. Actually, now that you mention it, I do remember. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it has your name on the top. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Donnie's uh, Donnie, <laughs> Donnie's Motel. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, right. yeah but he's joining us. Uh, he has some great things to talk about. We're talking about you know people to avoid. And did you guys know there is such a thing as a Christian cancel culture? No, I don't interesting. Just uh, kidding. It it exists. It's not as abrupt as uh you know the culture today where it's like they're canceled right away and it's gone. Do we uh, hear buzzing? I hear buzzing. I hear a lot of buzzing in my head. Do headphones. you hear yeah. buzzing? Comment below. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's just a headphone thing. Yeah, we didn't fix it, it in post. It yeah, won't it'll be. be in the show. Oh, it won't be. Yeah. No, it, it won't be on the show. No, no. They're not going to hear buzzing. You're going to sound like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I hear these things in We're my head. Crazy. <laughs> I hear these things in my head. <laughs> um, well, anyways, yeah, so we have uh, David joining us briefly, but before he joins us on Zoom, we have some time to kill. Oh, do so we? Figure, he's not ready yet. You know, oh, he has a 16-month-old. No. So I figure, you know, we're going to do a Dangerous Doctrines. I think oh. it's going to be connected to uh, what uh, we're talking about with David. So nice. you know what time it's for. Whoa, looks like it's time for d d Dangerous Doctrines. D d d dangerous Doctrines. All right, we got Dangerous Doctrines with Donnie. Is Donnie ready for it? Should we do Donnie or should we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, are you ready I for just this? Don't have the, I just don't have it in front of me. Dude, hold it up to the... the <laughs> And I'll read it. All right. We oh, got text it to me. Text it to me. I did text it to you. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dangerous Doctrines with Donnie via really? text. Uh, wait, wait, where is it? Oh, you, got Dude, it? you took us a photo. He took a photo of his lap. <laughs> <laughs> is that copy paste? Uh, That's so funny. No, I copied and pasted on Dude, here, but then I'm like, you know what? such a boomer. Okay. You know what? We'll be right back after these messages Dude, from that Dentures. Is so oh. funny. Dentures? Oh, my goodness. Okay. No, no. You're not that old. Okay. You're just a boomer. No. Um, okay, folks, here we go. Here's the doctor. This is a quote from a, pa a quote-unquote pastor. Quote one read by Donnie. <laughs> That's what it says. Here All we right, go. folks, here we go. This is truth right here. Uh, stop. I, I have to get in the zone. <laughs> I just want to encourage every one of us to realize that when we... <laughs> That when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it, for sure, absolutely. We're doing it for ourselves. Oh, we lost Andrew again. Be because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gets him the greatest joy, folks, this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good for you. Do good because God wants you to be happy, let me tell you. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself. Because, frankly, that's what makes God happy. Amen? Wow. I can't believe I got through that. I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> she said so many pauses in there. You yeah. know what? Even when you read it correctly, it doesn't make sense. Actually, you know, you're right. So, basically, this just says, worship for yourself. Be happy because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, you're not doing it for God. You're doing it for yourself. What are your thoughts on that, Andrew? You don't go. To, you don't go to church to worship God. You go to make yourself happy. Um, 
Chris, thoughts? I mean, I guess some people do that, but... I didn't I have a thought I, I because all intelligence left my body when, <laughs> yeah. when I read it. Yeah, I read that. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, so I need to redo my high school education <laughs> and go back to university yep. because that was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I've actually watched that clip. We can't say who it is, but I've watched that clip. I, I was like, okay, in front of thousands of people. And everyone's and like, woo, yeah. yeah. I'm a Christian for me. I'm so happy. I'm so happy right now. You just made me happy. Uh, wow, wow, wow. So obviously, I mean, the short answer, is that biblical? What do you think? Short answer? No. No. And what would the longer answer be? No. <laughs> yeah, I can't even. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, we don't do good for our own selves. We don't go to church to make us happy. We don't worship God to make us happy. They're getting the byproduct confused with the like the why, like like the joy of the Lord is a byproduct of that, but it's not the the why. It's not the yeah, why. It's not, it's not, not the primary. We, we don't aim, yeah, for our own happiness. And yeah, I yeah. think that's really important. Does God want us to be happy? Sure. I don't think yeah. He's opposed to us being happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the and like you're saying it's not like the it's not our chief aim it's not our chief aim i think our chief aim of worshiping and going to church and being with community and being in the word is not to be happy but because god is holy yep yeah and he is worthy of our worship he is worthy to gather and to celebrate who he is and rejoice and remember and reflect um it's not for our happiness and i think happiness is all the rage these days i think that's just what we want to do we want to make sure everything we do every decision we make is so that we're happy Mm mm-hmm but if that's our yardstick and that's what we're doing to judge what we should do and make decisions, well, that'll bomb pretty quick. What a sad purpose yep. to have. My purpose in life is so that I'm happy. And imagine like how, <laughs> how easy it yeah. would be to, to get lost in sin because some of the decisions we think will make us happy yeah. actually yeah. are against God. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Like technically, I'd be super happy right now if I rolled it in a Ferrari 488. Well, you'd have to be able to afford one first. But yeah, it would make you happy if you made that much money. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I wouldn't be happy with the debt. <laughs> oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. I would be happy if I paid cash. Maybe I need to rob a bank. Now whoa, all of a sudden, whoa, see, look what's happening. See, okay. Sin, if you, if you listen to this quote, you'll end up robbing a bank. Okay. That's, <laughs> okay. that's the end One goal. thing leads to another. I'm but, just the reality, but the reality is if that's our yardstick of, okay, whatever I need to decide, am I going to be happy in the end? Mm. Like John Newfeld says, it's a slippery slope. Happiness leads to bank robbery. Think about it. Don't quote him. Am I wrong? <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> so how is this theology dangerous? Why is it sketchy to always pursue happiness? And I think this is what I feel God has been telling me. I think, again, if you're using it as a yardstick, you're going to find yourself maybe making some pretty terrible decisions, maybe some sinful decisions, because you think the outcome is actually happiness, but the decisions you made to get there are not uh, according to scripture. So we quickly spiral. You can quickly spiral downwards into um, into pretty bad places if you think this is going to make me happy, so I got to do it. Here's the reality. This is really important for you to understand because happiness, again, is all the rage. God calls us to be holy, not happy. Happy, like you said, is a byproduct of pursuing God, being in community, going to church, worshiping him. Yes, maybe the outcome, you'll have joy, uh, a, a spiritual sense of joy, not like a you know temporary happiness. 
But God calls us to holiness, not happiness. Listen to this passage, 1 Peter 11, 14 to 16. So you must live as God, God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do just because God, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. So as believers, we don't need to pursue happiness. We need to pursue holiness, living a holy life, running from sin, running from maybe the things that will give you a temporary happiness. Yeah. One more scripture, uh, and we talk about this. Um, John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, come not from the Father, but from the world. The world tries to convince us that these are the things that are going to make us happy. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, but they are of the world. So happiness is far, is not what we need to be pursuing. We need to be pursuing holiness. Here's the passage in its context, uh, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures, happiness, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does the, what pleases God will live forever. And so it's so important. We don't run after happiness. We live a holy life. We pursue holiness. And of course, the outcome of living holy and being close to God, you're going to have the joy of the Lord in your heart. Yeah. I mean, the bank robber thing was a joke, but the the implication was like, yeah, it'll lead you to, to pursuing just, money. Yeah. And just, <laughs> That's one thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And people think money like will be like money. What's the saying? Money is the, the root of all evil. That's the, the other one. That's the, the scripture. Yeah. But then the world says... Money, uh, it brings uh, you happiness. Or money is. Cool. Well, I don't know. Some people say you can't buy happiness. You for sure can, but you can't buy joy. <laughs> you can't buy holiness. Word. You can't buy yeah. holiness. That's a good word. Holiness yeah. actually comes at a cost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Whereas it costs. Where yeah. you can buy this temporary happiness, but then it's there today, it's gone tomorrow. Yeah. Whereas laying down your life and pursuing holiness will give you the joy of the Lord, which will be with you when times are great and when times are hard. That joy from God, um, the peace that transcends all understanding, that all comes when we pursue holiness. Yeah. That's good. So John Newfeld needs to sell his motorcycle, I think. <laughs> I'll let you tell him that. <laughs> yeah. This we'll be right back obsessed. after these messages from this Harley. Oh. <laughs> actually, he's got a Honda. Oh, yeah. From Honda. It's a nice Honda. It is actually a really nice bike. Yeah, yeah. I got a um, Honda motorcycle as well. But you know what? We got to ride together. We you know, you, oh, you have a Honda motorcycle? I do. I thought you meant we got to ride together like you holding him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, <laughs> just imagining him. We got to ride together. Yeah. John, can you slow down, oh, man? It's a little bit fast. No, he does that with his wife. Him and his wife go on motorcycle trips. Yeah, actually. that makes yeah. sense. But yeah. you holding him? I'd rather not. <laughs> I would, I'd like I'd to see you not. on a side cart. With the goggles, yeah, I do that. Actually, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah, aviators, yeah, yeah. your nice yeah. stash. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That's I, the first time Andrew's ever complimented. <laughs> can you look at I'm the camera? Kidding. Can you look at the camera, Mateo? Could you do a zoom in right now? Don't, don't, please. Oh, he's in doing out. it. Oh, he's in doing out. it. No. Yeah. Look at how beautiful that stash is, folks. That makes a hairless man jealous. Oh man, I think I've worn a hat every single episode. I'm beginning to think you're bald. No, it's because I have. <laughs> it's because I, I, I don't like doing my hair. He's got a full head of hair, folks. Yep. I don't like doing my hair when I got headphones on because then it just ruins it. But I do, in fact, have hair, guys. I think he's just being a little braggy, Chris. 
Oh, shoot. You guys are bald. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages from Rogaine. Oh. <laughs> All right. So sorry, guys, I will never take off my hat in studio. Please don't. Again. You're I'm causing, so, me, to, you're causing me to so stumble. Sorry. So again, we're talking with David Schumann about beware-ing, being oh, aware, right. beware yeah. of false teaching. Maybe there is a Christian cancel culture where we need to be gracious and loving and separate ourselves at the same time. So we're going to jump in. I think he's actually waiting, and he doesn't have a lot of time because he has a little 16-month-old. So let's jump into the Zoom call with David right now, and uh, let's hear from him. All right, well, we have David Schumann on the call right now. David, how are you doing? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. Awesome, man. You're hailing all the way from Manhattan. Uh, which uh, is crazy. I've been there once and uh, I made the mistake of driving in downtown because I thought it'd be a good idea to just have our own car. And then I realized this is a terrible idea. And I <laughs> it's should've... a mistake you only make once. It's a yeah. mistake you only make <laughs> yeah. once. Yeah, I made that mistake once. So next time I visit, if I come to visit you one day, uh, remind me to walk. <laughs> yeah, take a plane and take a train. Yeah, yeah a plane <laughs> and train and walk. Get your runners. That's amazing. Uh, David, you've been on the show quite recently. It was August of uh, of last year. So uh, is there anything new that's happened since you were on the show last that you can fill us in and what you're doing and what life looks like for you? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Um, well, my son is still young. He just turned 16 months yesterday. Okay, amazing. Uh, but a lot changes in that amount of time with a kid that age. So now he's, you know, running all over the place. And <sighs> we, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago, we went to Central Park and he walked outside for the first time. Oh, so that amazing. was- um, yeah, so he's changing a lot, learning a lot. We're having a really good time. Um, and we also since then have started uh, with the very beginning stages of adopting. A oh, second cool. Kid. Wow. Uh, yeah. So we have finished all of our paperwork to be approved by the state to adopt. Okay. And then they process it and uh, we have to meet with some social workers and stuff. So it's still probably like a year, maybe a year and a half or even two years out. Um, but okay. we're beginning stages of adopting. That's amazing, man. Do you have a specific place God's calling or like a location? Yeah, we're looking just domestically. Okay. Um, even domestic is, is very expensive, but uh, it's even more looking abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, so domestically and the agency we're working with is um, based mostly in New York and then also in New York state and also in Florida. So they do most of their work in those two states, but it could be from anywhere in the U S. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. You know, my wife has a huge heart for that. We've been kind of talking through what that could look like, but to, um, like internationally, it's like five, six, seven years. So yeah, you go through the process for yeah. so long, not even know the kids probably not even born yet. Yeah. And so it's like, it's yeah. a long and expensive journey, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Good for you guys. That's so amazing, man. And so 16 month old. So running around now, I remember like when my kids were little and they weren't mobile, it was kind of nice. You just like set it and forget it, kind of walk yeah. away. They can just sit there. Now it's like, no, you got to run around. Nice. <laughs> yeah. No, it's game over, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Now you got to get all the little cupboard things so they yeah. close all the cupboards. <laughs> yeah. We're just in a one bedroom apartment. So yeah. we have to childproof the whole everywhere, you know, our entire house. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> yeah. I actually just last night, I was like that, you know what? I can't do any work with him jumping. Like he jumps on the couch now, but he's not doing it very safely. He will, he'll hurt himself. So I just, I actually had to block off our already small apartment. I, half of it is blocked off now. He can't even use that because <laughs> just, I can't get any work done over there with him jumping around. If I sit there, he's slapping on my computer. It's like, oh, <laughs> so uh poor guy now has uh, like, I don't know. 
maybe 100, 200 square feet, probably yeah. 100 feet to play in, or maybe less, actually. Yeah. It's perfect, man. It's perfect. He has no idea. He loves it. Exactly. He yeah. doesn't know any better, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah. It's totally. Like when we buy Christmas gifts, they like throw the toys away and just play with the wrappers in the boxes. Like, you know what? I could have just wrapped nothing, man. Why are we spending money on toys? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> They're so simple and so beautiful. They actually teach us a lot. I've learned a lot just watching my kids, and I'm sure you do too. So yeah, tell me yeah. when you're working, so kids jumping on the other side of the wall, uh, what are you doing for work? Tell us, just fill us in again for new listeners what you do for work. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a pastor at, uh, it's called Exilic Church. It's a Presbyterian church here in Manhattan. Uh, and thankfully, I have, uh, most mornings I have a babysitter, and then in the afternoon it's uh I'm all on my own trying to work and, and watch him at the same time. And then I usually work, you know, pretty much every evening I'm doing something as well, counseling or uh, leading a group or some other kind of meeting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so pastor at uh, a church here in Manhattan. Awesome, man. That's amazing. You're, you're yeah. double, you're double, quadruple, quadruple dipping all the yeah. things you're doing. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Praise God. Okay. I'd love to walk through um, uh, a few of your articles that you've written recently uh, I've been reading, I read both of them, and both of them stuck out in a sense that they kind of connect together, but they are mm. standalone. And so I mm. thought maybe we can kind of talk about both of them, talk about each one individually and see how they connect, if that's cool. So one of them was, you know, how to hold on to faith uh, when, and especially when 2023 gets tough. Uh, mm. I know we always say, oh man, 2022 was really rough. I can't wait for next year as if January 1st hits and it's all going to change. Not the reality. I think we're in for some tough times still. And so mm-hmm. how to hold on to faith when 2023 gets tough. Can we walk through, you gave some warnings that Paul gives to Timothy uh, in one of his letters. Can we walk through that and see how that connects to 2023 today for us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and really quick first too, I think you're, you're definitely right that these articles are connected there. Um, they both are like condensed versions of a couple sermons I preached from okay. second Timothy. So they're both from 2 Timothy 3, and they're both tied together by um, the main point of that whole chapter is is verse 1, where it says, in the last day will come times of difficulty. Uh, And the last days are just between Jesus' first and second coming, so it's where we are still today. And uh, all these days will be difficult, including 2023, including 2024. It's going to be difficult times. Uh, So the one that uh, that you mentioned, that article is based on the second part of of chapter 3, and specifically it's warning us against uh, two things. So one is in, in verse 12, it says that um, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. So everywhere up until the second coming of Christ is going to be some amount of persecution. Uh, and so Paul actually talks a little bit in this part about what that looked like for him. Uh, so for him at its worst, it led all the way to him being uh, stoned and left for dead. You can read about that in, in the book of Acts. For most of us, that probably won't happen. Could probably won't for most of us listening. But um, but certainly there is still going to be some amount of persecution. It says all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. So for us, maybe that looks like um, being called a bigot or being gossiped about behind our back, or it could also look like, you know, maybe a loss of job opportunities, maybe even losing a client, maybe even losing a job. I mean, those sorts of things I think are very much in the realm of a possibility for us, even, you know, here in the U S and in Canada, I think those things definitely happen. Um, so that's the first thing he warns us about is that, Hey, no matter what, you know, it might vary what it looks like, but we're all going to experience some amount of persecution. So that's why it's difficult. Yeah. The second thing, that he warns us about is in uh, verse 13. It says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, 
deceiving and being deceived. Um, so he says that there's going to be these false teachers. He introduces us to them earlier in chapter three as well. Um, and that's where he tells us to avoid those people, which we'll, we'll get to later, I'm sure. But um, here he says there are these people who are um, because of evil and imposters, and they attempt to deceive us. So there are false there's false teaching that tries to deceive us and, and lures away from the truth. Uh, and that is very much a, a thing today as well. Uh, it's uh, specifically Paul's warning us against false teachers who um, he says in verse, uh, was it verse five, that they have an appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. That is, they deny the power of God to actually change our lives. And so as a result, they're living this very ungodly lifestyle even though they're claiming to be Christians. Um, and so that's an important warning for us today. I think we need to pay close attention to um, whatever pastors and teachers we listen to or whatever churches we're going to. We need to compare what they say to scripture and we mm -hmm. need to compare their lifestyles to scripture as well. Um, and of course, that's not to say that you know, any pastor is going to be perfect. If you compared my lifestyle to scripture, um, you'd, you wouldn't want to come to my church. Necessarily. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not to say that I'm perfect or anybody else is perfect, not even close, but, um, but we need to find pastors and friends who um, are at least <clears throat> striving for that uh, and who are inspiring us to live lives of holiness and urging us to do that um, rather than, condoning an ungodly lifestyle and, and even encouraging people towards that. So those are the two things that uh, he warns us about in that second part of chapter three. Yeah, that's so good. And I think it's so important actually earlier on this show, because we have a show where we have, you know, opening segments and post segments and then interviews a part of it. So that's kind of changed within doubt, but we were, we go through a segment called dangerous doctrines and we mm. read a quote of, Hey, this is a popular doctrine that's going out right now. And here's why it is, something that you should not be following and believing and here's what the Bible actually says. And so we're just, we're going to unashamedly be speaking truth because there's a lot of churches, um, as you know, and as I know, that are teaching anything but the gospel these days. And um, it's just important to get people aware of that. Uh, we don't want to name drop or call out people, but we're just saying, hey, here's a teaching. So if you hear this teaching, if it sounds like this and you're sitting in the pews, uh, run out the door. <laughs> but yeah, wow, um, it's so here. Yeah, that's no, amazing. It's, it's really important. It's really important. And so, um, but you know, when Paul is giving these warnings, is he talking specifically only about false teachers, preachers, or is he saying anyone who's not living a godly lifestyle or calling themselves Christians and just not living it out, avoid those people too? Or is he just saying avoid the people who are at the pulpit? Yeah, I think he probably especially has in mind false teachers, but certainly at the very least, you know, we can broaden that and, and apply it beyond that. Um, and one thing that's important to say, um, so he's talking about people, the, the key part is that verse five, people have the appearance of godliness, but mm -hmm. deny its power. So he's not talking, first of all, he's not talking about skeptics or people who are, you know, exploring Christianity. That's not appearance of godliness. And he's also not talking about people who are just struggling with sin, like, you know, like I said, that like I am as well. He's talking about people who, rather than struggling with sin, have embraced their sin. They've denied the power of God um, to change their hearts. And so uh, that's an important qualification. And so I think we can um, certainly at the very least apply that broader than just um, mm -hmm. pastors. That's probably what he has maybe primarily in mind, but certainly it's broader than that. Um, and I think, you know, all the way to the point of certainly we should consider our friendships, like our, do our friends encourage us towards godly living or not, um, in terms of, 
if they're claiming to be Christians? Are they claiming to be Christians, but actually <clears throat> encouraging us to live in an ungodly way? Or are they, you know, striving as best as they can to, um, to live a godly life? And does that encourage us towards the same? I think that's an important uh, application. Yeah, that's huge. And, and I feel like when I think about it, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't be hanging out with, you know, sinners or this or that, whatever. And it's okay. Well, you see Jesus sitting down with tax collectors, etc. And mm-hmm. so, but then when we talk about this, they have the appearance of godliness, but mm-hmm. are in no way living out a godly life. Mm-hmm. He's actually saying, avoid them. It yeah. almost seems like there's a, there's a form of a Christian cancel culture. <laughs> Like yeah, it's not just a worldly no, no. thing. Maybe we actually ought to be a yeah. part of it in a way, which seems kind of crazy. Yeah. But the text is kind of showing that, you know, maybe there is a cancel culture that we're actually supposed to be a part of. Yeah. 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 I think, I think you're right. I think um, the original cancel culture and, and the, so another important thing to, to mention um, is it's not something we come to lightly. Um, and so even if you're looking at the broader context, just a few verses before Paul says to avoid such people, he tells Timothy, he says, you need to be um, patient with your opponents and, and gently rebuke them. Mm. So there's very much this picture of, um, he's not saying, you know, somebody does something wrong and you instantly cancel them, yeah. which, which is a little bit, you know, maybe more akin to some of our cancer culture, not necessarily, but, you know, maybe more akin to that. Paul's saying, no, you're like, you're pleading with these people to repent. You're praying for them. You're being gentle with them. And if they still aren't repenting, then eventually uh, there comes this day when we should avoid such people. So it's not something to arrive, you know, at quickly. And it's not really something to arrive at as just an individual either. That should happen in the context of talking with other Christian friends, talking with um, pastors and and elders and churches and stuff. Um, But eventually there is this time when like, no, these people are claiming to be Christians, but they're not living that way, they don't have the fruit of repentance, then we should avoid these people. Um, and so uh, I would say a lot of uh, scholars, and, and I would agree, this probably actually refers to excommunication. Uh, so like formally saying, hey, um, the church is saying, we don't think you're a Christian because we've we've urged you to repent, you know, for days, weeks, months, maybe even years, we've been urging you to repent and you haven't. Um, so we don't think you're a Christian. Um, so avoid such people. Huge, man. Huge. And I wonder like what the process is, like you were saying, days, months, years, I guess there's no real, you know, X amount of weeks. And if they don't, you know, mm. give up on them, mm-hmm. there's probably no right or wrong, I guess. You just have to discern. And, you know, just thinking of the young person who's listening right now, who's hanging out with some people who call themselves godly or love the Lord, yet they're living totally backwards from what the scriptures are saying. There's the pleading, there's the patience, there's the grace. I wonder when is it where you say, okay, you know what? It's just not working. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think you're right. It it scripture I don't think gives us or it definitely doesn't give us like a definitive you totally. know, X number of you know. Um, so I think it it depends. I mean, because it because it also can depend on severity too. And and you know, there's there's so many different variables. So I think it leaves leaves wisdom. Um, I would say scripture does give us a process. Um, so not it's not as clearly outlined here. It's kind of more simplified in that we should plead with somebody. And Paul's writing this to Timothy, who was a pastor. So that's like already saying, okay, well, the church is aware of this and the church is pleading. Um, but a place like uh, Matthew 18 lays it out a little bit more clearly that there's these ideally these steps if somebody has in that in that context it's if somebody has offended me so it's you know could maybe be slightly different than here but 
the same principles I think apply that um, we first should plead with that person, you know, one on one, just privately, like gently, humbly, like, hey, I, I feel like you're um, you're living in this sin, and, and I think you should repent of it. And hopefully, they repent, they respond positively. Um, if they don't, the next step Jesus tells us is he says, well, take you know two or three other people with you, two or three other Christians, and and all of you plead with this person to repent. And I don't think that necessarily means only once either. That might be for months just at that one step, you know, months of people pleading with this person to repent. And then if that doesn't work, then you take it to the church. You take it to Timothy. You take it to me, whoever your pastor is. Um, and then the whole church, you know, the pastor and the elders are, are pleading with this person to repent. And only after that, if they still don't repent, that's when we get to this point of uh, avoiding such people. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, meant to be a long process because, we all have hard hearts, <laughs> you know, totally. like I don't know repent the first time somebody tells me something, you know, I wish, but definitely not. And so, um, God is gracious to us in that and, and he is patient and he calls us to be patient as well. Um, so it's a long process, but eventually there is a time that this is a serious thing. And, and, and if people are going to be leading us astray, then we need to, or persecuting us or whatever, then we need to avoid these kinds of people. Yeah, that's huge. And a good reminder of the grace and mercy we have been given. Always remember mm. that, you know, for our listeners, mm. how much grace mm. and mercy and patience the Lord has given you and continues to give you. Uh, mm. Go and do likewise. You know, don't mm. be quick to just cancel the way that our culture cancels. Just so quick. Yeah. One mistake, boom, you're done. See you later. Never want to talk to you again. Uh, that's not exactly. what the Bible is saying. That's not how we avoid yeah, people. yeah, it should really make us humble to remind, remember all that, and that should make us, as we're humble, gentle and, yeah. and long-suffering. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. It's really hard for me because I don't know, maybe because of what culture is doing these days, but I'm just starting to get a little more fed up and maybe less patient when I see people so openly mocking or going against mm. the way of God. To just mm. say, "Fine, like mm. I'm done with you." Maybe mm. that's my heart needing to be a little bit uh, softened. Mm. Mm. So yeah, I think that's important. It's an, it's good to recognize like where's my tendency and and you know for me I probably more in that tendency as well. Like I need to be my heart needs to be more softened. Somebody else maybe you know maybe a different listener is is maybe they actually do need to take a little bit more of a drastic step. Like I think it's important to recognize where we are. Like ah oh, maybe I'm you know, maybe I actually do need to take this a little bit more seriously than I am or, you know, or from on this side, maybe I need to be more patient. I think that's, it's good to have that self-awareness and be like, okay, you know, maybe where do I need to lean more towards? Yeah, that's huge. And so I encourage everyone who's listening right now, you know, just in quiet time with the Lord, you know, search your heart, see what's going on. And uh, maybe there's some ways you need to be softened. Maybe you're too soft and you need to harden a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> it's like this yeah. weird balance of like, take it seriously with love and grace and patience and humility and um, yeah. but take it seriously i think that's the yeah. that's the main thing and and yeah. i and i think that's with people in our lives correct me if i'm wrong where we see them walking in like a godless way we want to be patient now as far as someone who's preaching false teaching mm-hmm. um how much patience and mercy do you need to have on someone who is openly mm-hmm. professing things that are not found in the bible Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. That that can be a, a very different situation because it's maybe not somebody to have a personal relationship with. And so, you know, even if I wanted to, I might not even be able to, you know, contact this person and sit down with them and 
and say, hey, pastor, I think you're preaching, you know, something that's wrong. I mean, that's, <laughs> you might not even be able to, not to mention that's a pretty intimidating conversation, right? Of course. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that is uh, a different situation. Um, and I think if, if that's the case, it's, it's mostly about, okay, let me compare what they're teaching to what I see in scripture. And let me talk about it with other people, with other friends, with pastors, like, hey, do you think this is true? Um, especially if it's something... So one of the things that's highlighted in this chapter, and one, one of the things that we learn about these specific false teachers that Paul has in mind, is that they're always trying to teach something new. Uh, we see that in, in a couple places. One is in uh, verse 13. So uh, it says, well, evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse. This, um, so that was the ESV translation. The word in the Greek is, is actually like progress. They progress from bad to worse. And Paul's actually using it ironically. He actually uses that same verb ironically three times um, in this letter, uh, or three times up until this point in this letter. Uh, he's saying like they're, they claim they're progressing, but actually they're just going from bad to worse. Hmm. And we see that also earlier in verse seven, where it says, um, it's talking about the people that these false teachers are leading astray. And, and these people who the, whom they lead astray are always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. They're always learning something new. They think they're progressing, but actually what they're doing is going from bad to worse. So especially if you hear a teacher, you know, a pastor or whatever saying like, hey, here's this new uh, insight about who God is, or here's this new way to think about God, or, you know, rethink this traditional Christian ethical claim. Um, when you hear that, especially like you're really cautious about what you hear wow. next. It may, you know, maybe it could be true, but um, be really cautious, you know, yeah. compared to what scripture talk about with other people who have a, a, a good, you know, whose knowledge of God you trust and, and see, hey, is this, is this actually like just a, a better way to think about this? Or, you know, should I, is this wrong? You know, certainly at least be cautious, especially when somebody claims to have some, you know, kind of new insight or something. Wow. It's huge. Cause I hear statements like that in churches often mm -hmm. like, Hey, this God yeah. gave me this specifically, or here's a new thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, and everyone leans in it's like, Oh, mm -hmm. you might need to lean back. And yeah, just, it should, be the, opposite. Yeah, it should exactly. be the opposite. Don't lean in and get excited about some new insight. Lean back and say, oh no, what's actually going yeah. on here? And that should yeah. be a little bit of a red flag. Now, the term progressive, of course, we hear that in a lot of contexts culturally. We're talking mm -hmm. specifically about pro a progressive approach to doctrines and theology. Mm -hmm. I know we had a um, earlier, you know, this year, we had an interview with Dr. John Neufeld. We were talking about how, you know, the seeker sensitive movement, they're kind of trying to progress and do the latest and greatest and kind of reinvent the wheel every 10 years. And you're just kind of reinventing, reinventing to be hip mm. and cool, which mm. also has some dangers in my opinion, you know, mm. uh, it might not be the best approach, but we're talking not specifically about how church looks and sounds and feels and the names of their community groups. And they change it to different names or whatever to be kind of cool. Mm. But we're talking specifically about, doctrine and theology mm. and saying, Hey, here's something new mm. that might not be in your Bible, but God told me yeah. specifically. So exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it might, you know, it's not to say like, Hey, maybe this is a good way to think about it. So listen, you know, we can listen when somebody says, I have this, you know, new way of thinking about this, but we should, it should be a lean back. I like what you said. It's not a lean in like, Oh, cool. Something new and exciting. It should be a lean back and really cautious. Is this true? Maybe it is but I should be really cautious. It yep. should be a red flag, not a, not something you get excited about. And it's so hard because, um, you know, especially, especially in our culture today, throughout history, it hasn't always been this way, but especially today, 
we're all, we, we're so much more excited about something new, you know, and, and it's not just this, you know, like you mentioned, secret movements, that's, that's part of it, but so, you know, it's so much broader than that. Like what's, what do we get excited about the newest thing, you know, uh, the newest technology, I, I gotta have the newest thing, um, especially, you know, maybe even hyper, uh, sensitivity in that way in a place like New York city, cause we're at, you know, so many things are kind of on the cutting, cutting edge and, and okay, wow. So we get so caught up in everything new and we, and sometimes it can be good, but we need to be a little bit more cautious potentially than we, we sometimes are. Um, so for example, like, you know, it's great that we can have this technology here like this, that you and I can talk yeah. and uh, have to fly and then drive to get here <laughs> or take a train would be a right recommendation. But yeah, yeah never again, man, never again. <laughs> <laughs> so we can have this conversation without that, which is amazing. Um, but then we also are coming to realize, well, at the same time, some of our obsession with screens can actually be a, be a negative thing too. It can lead to loneliness and, uh, and anxiety. And so hopefully we're starting to realize a little bit more, okay, not everything new is good. Sometimes it is, you know, oftentimes it is, but, um, let's not just unquestionably uncritically embrace something new. Hmm. Um, so that's a temptation at large. And so that comes into play in our theology as well. We're tempted, especially by something new because, we're used to being excited about something new. Um, but with theology, it's like, no, like don't ever say anything new. It's kind of more the, it's, <laughs> yeah. kind of more the, it's yeah. not new and improved with theology. It's new and yeah. I don't know, yeah. not improved, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, so one thing that one quote that comes to mind, um, I went to a seminary called Westminster seminary and uh, it came out of Princeton seminary, uh, which has since, become a, a pretty liberal seminary, but, um, originally it, it was not. And one of the early, uh, presidents of the seminary, Charles Hodge, he, in my circles, he famously said this, it's a bit of a nerdy reference. I don't expect anybody else to know this, but, uh, it's, uh, he, he famously said, um, that no new idea has ever come out of this seminary. Uh, so he, you know, he's saying this in this academic world where Love the it. temptation even at that time was very much, you know, say new things like, um, theologically as well, that the, the temptation and, and the thrust of a lot of the academic world at the time was, Oh, Jesus, you know, these are all just myths. Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. Let's just think about like, um, the ethical implications of this. And it's all just, uh, an analogy. It's all just a story that we should learn from. It didn't actually happen. Um, and he's saying no new idea ever came out of, uh, of our seminary. That's more in line with what we should think about theology. <laughs> Honestly. And, and you see the progressiveness, you see how, like you mentioned, it's gone liberal and, you know, it's a lot of places are going progressive. Is it because of this obsession with newness and, and kind of just fitting in and, you know, I see a lot of churches saying yes and amen to things that they should not be saying yes and amen to. Sure. And I wonder if it's this newness of being cutting edge with where things are going. Yeah, I think so. I think that's at least part of it. You maybe there's probably more to it as well, but I think yeah. that's a big, big thing. Yeah, we want to be seen as, you know, the right side of history, things like that. And and, you know, again, you know, oftentimes we do need to make changes. We do need to make progress and the progress can be very good. And so I'm not saying this about everything, but I think, yeah, in terms of theology, that is certainly a big temptation. That certainly is something that Paul is here warning us about 2000 years ago. Um, and if anything, it maybe applies even more today, but even 2000 years ago, this was a temptation to always be always learning something new. It says in verse seven, but never actually arriving at a knowledge of the truth, you know, learning, but never arriving at knowledge of the truth. Um, this paradoxical thing that 2000 years ago even was, was a problem, uh, possibly even more so today. Wow. 
it's really eye-opening. And I hope that uh, our listeners are just aware that, you know what, maybe there's someone in your life and you're watching or listening on a podcast and you're like, man, I know that this person is actually leading me astray or I need to have some hard conversations. Um, it's important to do so. I think mm -hmm. we need to protect ourselves and the truth needs to be the truth and the truth is always the truth and the truth isn't changing. Uh, you know, the, the truths we find in scripture are, of course, a very offensive today. And mm -hmm. so we're trying to change it a bit to be less offensive, but it just needs to stand as is. Mm -hmm. We don't add anything. We don't take anything away. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I guess, means maybe eventually avoiding certain people in your life or certain teaching or preachers, or maybe you have to find a new church. Uh, mm. But there are drastic steps sometimes that we need to graciously, you know, take and humbly mm. take. Mm. Ma'am. Yeah. So good. I feel like we hit on some good stuff. Mm. What are you working on these days? Let's see. Um, well, I just preached a sermon last Sunday that um, I'd love to write an article on. I haven't been able to have the time yet with my... <laughs> I used to write more articles in a very uh, <laughs> many since he was born, but uh, these were some of the these were some of the few that I've written actually since he was born. I used to write more, but um, so oftentimes for my sermons, I'll, I'll try to condense them into article, and I'd love to be able to do that with this last sermon. Um, it was on regret from Second uh, Corinthians seven. And um, the sermon was titled How Regret Can Make Us Better. So mm -hmm. it talks in, the, in 2 Corinthians, again, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Corinthian church. Um, and he talks about how he had written them this letter. So it's not a letter that we have. It's not a part of inspired word, but he, he mentions it in 2 Corinthians. He apparently wrote to them this letter because there was a man who in the church who had wronged him. And uh, the church should have enacted church discipline against this man. So it's like what we talked about. They should have had conversations with him to be like, hey, you got to re go through the process, stuff. do all the things, you know. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. And so none of that happened. And so Paul um, leaves town and he writes them this pretty stern letter, apparently, that rebukes them for their failure to act against uh, this, this wrongdoer. And um, the good news is it turns out they uh, received this letter really well. They're grieved by it uh, and they repent. They change their ways. They discipline this guy. And actually that guy ends up repenting as well. Um, and so this whole, the whole church goes from all these strange relationships to being reconciled. Uh, it's amazing. It's really thing. Yeah. It's yeah. A really beautiful thing. And the, the way it happened is this, what Paul calls godly grief, or I think we could call it regret um, that he has this, the church had this godly regret that led them to repentance uh, and then brought about this, he says, salvation without regret. So we, in this uh, verse, he contrasts godly regret, which leads to repentance and, and salvation versus worldly regret, which uh, doesn't lead to any real change in your life and just produces more regret and death. Um, so I preached on that and, uh, be fun to write an article on it, uh, someday too, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good word too. And I feel like that's a good way for us to wrap up today. What a good example of, you know, approaching someone with humility and a plead. Yeah. And we see repentance. We see changed hearts. We see changed lives. We see a community seeing that we see a yeah. changed community by this beautiful representation of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and acceptance. 
So good can come when we actually step out and say, hey, friend, yeah. uh, you're living in sin right now. And it's grieving yeah. the heart of God. And I love you so much. But yeah. this is just yeah. not the right way to go. Or this is not the right thing to preach. It could yeah. go beautifully like this, where there's yeah. repentance yeah. and life change. And yeah. they maybe not have even noticed until you told them. Yeah. And now yeah. there's just hope in their lives and forgiveness that you get to all experience and witness the grace of God. Yeah. And so we see it work well in Second Corinthians chapter 7, uh, mm-hmm. where it's a yeah. good example of, wow, it yeah. worked. Now, it doesn't always go like that, but sure. we're not yeah. in charge of the results. But yeah. I think as genuine believers, we should be the people to at least follow the approach that Paul teaches and yeah. take those steps. And the the outcome is not in our hands, but we do mm-hmm. our part and we plead, mm-hmm. like you said, and we be patient and we have grace and mm-hmm. um, let God do what only God can do. We can't change hearts, but we can bring mm-hmm. truth uh, in love mm-hmm. to people. And so that's kind of a cool way to wrap up and encourage our listeners today who are watching mm-hmm. or listening on, on a podcast to to be bold and mm-hmm. to be, what would mm-hmm. you say um, kind of as we close to the young person who might need to make some of these hard decisions. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I like what you're saying, how um, that passage to second Corinthians really is kind of the flip side of this. Like that's, that's what we hope for. And that's when it goes well, this would be, you know, if it doesn't turn out that way, how should we respond? Well, we can, should avoid such people, but we have this hope that it will turn out differently. So I think um, it's instructive too the <clears throat> what the Apostle Paul says earlier in Second Corinthians. He says that he wrote to them out of his abundant love for them. Hmm. Uh, he says not to cause you pain, but in order that you might know my abundant love for you. So it, it really is the most loving thing we can do when we see a brother or sister in Christ living in sin to gently and he says with many tears he says uh call call them to repent um and i think maybe you know in closing one other quick thing um it, it's such a, an important thing to remember like that's what what god has done for us too so the apostle paul he wrote to them this letter uh to rebuke them hoping that they would repent and, and come to experience salvation and reconciliation with him and with god that's what God has done for us too. He's given us, he's given us his inspired word and he's done it so that we might know his abundant love for him mm. and that we might repent of our sin and experience salvation without regret. Um, and he's done that out of much affliction as well with many tears. Um, he gave his life for us that we might experience that salvation without regret. And um, so that's an important anchoring and an important hope to hold to in the midst of these difficult conversations. Wow. Praise God, man. This is so good. I, I pray that if you're listening, uh, that you're encouraged. Maybe there's someone on your heart right now that you need to connect with. or But we pray for you. We pray for each one who's listening. And David, thank you so much for your time. 16-month-old, and you were able to sneak away for this conversation. That's it's fun. What a nice relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much, man. God bless you, your ministry, your church, your family, and uh, just all the best. We look forward to connecting again. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrew. Take care. Awesome. All right, that was a fantastic interview. That was really good, yeah. really insightful. Uh, what What did you think, Christian? Cancel, cancel. <laughs> Christian, Take nine. Oh okay, just Christian cancel culture is a real thing, is it? Question mark. Wow. Crazy. Deep. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's not really cancel culture. It's not not in the way. Yeah, not society. like how yeah, like he said. Yeah, we hear about it in the world, right? 
Yeah, yeah I think it's, the, you, it's the good kind of cancel culture. <laughs> it's like, I cancel you in the name of the Lord. Be yeah. blessed. See you know, I don't think anyone's ever like permanently canceled, though. No, and you that's can't. The dif- that's no. the difference. In yeah. cancel culture, it's like, yeah, you're done. Yeah, you're forever. deleted, erased, forever, gone. Whereas this is like, we cancel you in the name of the Lord. See you never. Just kidding. <laughs> See you for now. See you for At now. Least. Never, though. Never. Yeah, no, it's not a cancel because, of course, in the Christian world, there's grace, mercy, forgiveness, repentance, patience, yeah. kindness. And ultimately, that's what you're hoping for At the for end, whoever yeah. you're, yeah. you know, canceling, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. to bring them back to the fold. Yeah. So it's not, it's not canceling. Yeah, and the and the heart behind it. Even when he talked about Second Corinthians chapter seven, when he was talking about you know Paul addressing someone in a letter, and the person actually repents, confesses his sin, and there's reconciliation, and it's beautiful. That's the goal. Yeah. The goal is, hey, we love you. The teaching you're doing is wrong, or you're living in sin, or you're doing this. You're saying you're godly, but you're living like this. We want to see you repent graciously, lovingly, truthfully, honestly, humbly. Yeah. It's not, hey, you're out of here. That's cancel culture. So this yeah. is not. So that's the beginning steps. But we talked about, okay, what if the person says, nope, I'm, I don't care. This is not sin. I think this is fantastic. Or no, this teaching is great. You have no idea what you're talking about. Then what do you do, though? Cancel them. Okay. <laughs> it's not, again, not canceling, but you need to separate yourself, yeah. Yeah. you know, to protect yourself um, from false teaching or yeah and i think he taught he touched on that with the social media aspect and just how we can access whoever we want to listen to online and listen to whoever yeah and i guess our way of doing that would be to not listen to certain preachers yeah yeah if you notice certain things that are obviously not biblical or that sounds a little bit weird i liked how we were talking about the idea of you know um if pastors say or preachers say you know oh i'm gonna teach you something new because we're about a culture who likes new, 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 new. Yep. And so he, we were just talking about if someone says, hey, I got a new word from the Lord or something new that's not even in scripture or a new idea, a new philosophy, instead of leaning in and listening and trying to glean the new because we're excited about new, we have this hypersensitivity with new, lean back and, and be aware mm-hmm. and be weary because uh, no theology should be new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I like the quote that he, yeah, had from that, that for the, from the college or yeah. his university. Yeah, nothing new mm-hmm. ever came from here. Nothing new comes from here is what like his yeah. uh, one of his uh, people at his university said, and I just love that. It's like no, we don't have to make the Bible new or relevant. Mm-hmm. We just have to read it, follow it, and um, but then you will be persecuted. That's kind of the warning that. We, he gave in his other article that we talked about, how do we hold tight to our faith in a, in a year that might be tough? Um, we will ex- experience persecution or be called bigots or whatever if we stay true to the word. So persecution is coming uh, for those who are trying to live holy, godly lives, not pursuing happiness, but holiness. It's, it, it'll be hard. But yep. when you do that, um, that's the right way to live. And we almost take joy in our persecution because we know we're living according to the word of God. Nice. Is it time? Oh, it's time. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. I was like, okay, come on, come on. Come on. Brandon go, has been go. waiting for this for about two years. Just kidding. I have been. 
Do you see what I have in my hand right here? What do you have in your hand, Brent? Why don't you explain to the folks who are watching? This is a device. If you're listening on podcast, this makes no sense. This is you're a like, device. You're like, what's the device? If what's you're going on? Podcast? <laughs> you need to go to YouTube, my friends. You're, you're losing out right now. If I press a button on here, something cool is going to happen. Andrew, uh, why don't you pull up the prop? You guys ready for this? I don't think they are. I'm not even ready. It came in, folks. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Oh, yeah. In all of its glory. Remote control. Oh. Look at that. <laughs> Wait, no, that's Bring not even. Bring it no, down. Bring it down. No, no, no. Oh. Oh, sorry. Is that? Bring it down. Oh, there we go. Sorry. Oh. Got it. Classy. Huh? Very cool. So we're, we didn't have time to set that up, but it's going to go right there. <laughs> it's going to look great. And we needed a professional to install it because we're a little, uh, we're not handymen. Let's just say. We're, <laughs> but we're men. We nope. are. Are we? With hands. We can't even put a sign up. <laughs> you right. know what? Now that you said that, I'm putting it up right after this. We'll okay, see you next good. Monday. You're going to see it with a new sign. Have a great week.